City. This is Benjamin Kant. I'm here with Ryan Gowrich to talk about circles, uh, particularly the out aspect of circles. Ryan, good to be with you. You too, Ben. So when we talk about out, what we really mean is that everybody in a circle will have a list of three people that is in their their sphere of influence. And so that really matters because if this is somebody that you rarely see, interact with, have any kind of influence over, um, they probably shouldn't go on this list. But these are three people that you actually have some sort of influence uh, in their life. Uh, maybe they're a neighbor, coworker, friend, family member, uh, somebody that you know from your kid sports team or something like that. But you interact with them with some regularity to where you actually can mm-hmm. have influence in their life. Uh, ben, I'd just quickly be curious to hear what are some practical reasons why that matters? That's great. Um, because really the aim in this is that you would begin to build towards sharing Jesus with them over time. And so uh, some of the ways we talk about this is you actually use the common rhythm practices. Uh, Four of those practices are to love our neighbors. So you're feasting with them. So you're eating a meal with and for them. You're fasting for them. You're you're actually... in a, in a way, uh, saying no and hungering for God on behalf of others. Um, you're saying no to, you know, food is, is the kind of typical thing that people fast from, but also um, social media or time with people if you maybe are a hyper extrovert or time alone if you're an introvert, like you're, you're actually turning away from things that you normally would need or want that would be good in order to hunger for God uh, with others or for on the, for the sake of others. And so fasting is one way you fast and pray for people. Um, another thing would be you bless them. You, you ask the Holy Spirit, how can I uh, move towards them, kind of infuse goodness into their life through my words, through time, through service, through money, through just ways I can actually move towards them with blessing. Uh, and then you listen to them. Um, you, you suspend yourself and give them, you listen with the ears of God so you might speak the words of God. And all of those things are way more conducive to somebody who's within your sphere of influence that you see regularly or interact with on a, on a regular basis. Yeah, that's good. I was just also thinking about um, the potential for disappointment or becoming sort of disenchanted with disciple making. If we're only uh, praying for them, this this individual, and we don't actually have the opportunity to uh, invest in their life in any mean, meaningful right. way. Yeah. Um, so when we are invited to prayer, we're also invited to mission. Mm-hmm. And so we ought to think about that in this, uh, in that regard. I think there's some practical things that maybe we could save for another time, but um, I would like our listeners and uh, circle members to be thinking of, as they think about who would be on this list potentially, mm-hmm. um, there's some questions about like, well, I... I don't actually, I'm thinking about a mom in particular here or a father who stays home with their children. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't have an opportunity to go out and be um, involved in the world, so to speak. So these sorts of organic um, meetings actually Mm -hmm. take place, you know, Uh, and that that can be difficult. Mm -hmm. Had this conversation with my wife, Sierra, the other night. And so there are ways you can get creative with this list is essentially what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. So um, one way you might think about it is you could put your children on that list because they're in one sense, your nearest neighbors Mm. Um, and, and you can invest in them and by way of disciple making Mm -hmm. that would be, maybe wouldn't take up your entire list, but it would be a way for you to engage in disciple making Mm -hmm. in a way that's, uh, that makes sense for where you're at in life right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so why this matters is because Jesus in Matthew 4, uh, this is a famous passage, uh, famous some of what for its cliche nature, which is a shame, but would you read the text in Matthew 4 when Jesus calls disciples? Yeah, Matthew four eighteen to 22. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. 
And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, in the boat with Zebedee their father, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. So good. So there's this core call there, which has three parts to it. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And some people have said they've used this to define a disciple. A disciple is somebody who uh, responds to the call of Jesus in order to be with him. That's follow me. Um, They're being transformed by Jesus. I will make you. And then they're committed to the mission of Jesus, fishers of men. And so they'll say, that's what a disciple is. I think that's a fantastic definition of a disciple. Um, And so why that matters is, is that core to following Jesus is being about the mission of Jesus. Uh, To say that negatively, if you are not actively about the mission of Jesus, uh, you're not currently following Jesus. Um, Mm -hmm. So you, you might believe that he rescues you from hell, uh, through his atonement on the cross, like you might believe that he is, you know, king and lord of the universe. Uh, but if you're not engaged in the thing that he was about, uh, his mission, um, you're you're actually not a disciple. You're not following him, in, and you're not responding to this call. So that's a really st- strong way to put it. Um, but but I love how Jesus is. He's so contextual here, right? We this language of fishers of men kind of feels cheesy and cliche to us now, but. He's walking along a sea, he sees some fishermen, and he uses that, and he's contextualizing his call to follow him mm. and to make fishers of yeah. men. I just think there's something so powerful about that. Like, he knew, the, he knew his audience, he knew what it, what, what it looked like. Um, and so there's something really rich about this, this call to, if I'm following Jesus, um, part of the process of following Jesus is that what Jesus loves, I begin to love, and what Jesus loves is lost people. Yeah. You can't help but read the Gospels, and he's regularly dealing with the fact that people don't like his his like radical mercy towards lost people, uh, whether it's his story in Luke 15, whether it's eating with tax collectors and sinners, whether it's uh, you know saying to the Pharisees, hey, I haven't called the righteous, uh, I've called the, the lost, the, the unrighteous, the wicked, the, those who are broken, I've called them to repentance. Uh, come to seek that which is lost, not which that thinks they're found. And so if, if you're a disciple of Jesus, you will begin to learn what Jesus, to love what Jesus loves. That's the process of discipleship, uh, which means you will love the lost. Mm-hmm. I love what you said about contextualiza- contextualization there, because there's there's a way that we, we should allow that to inform our own disciple making as we're moving towards these individuals that God uh, sort of puts before us whatever the context is. That's just a great way to think about um, also the ease with which disciple making can happen. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't need to be forced in a certain way. Yeah. Um, so uh, I'd be curious, Ben, to hear from you. What would, so if there was an individual who said, I, um, I'm all about discipleship and disciple making, but I want to do that on my own. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, why does it need to be in a circle space? Mm-hmm. Or uh, if it weren't included in the circle space, what would, what would the circle lose? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great question. Well, I, I hear kind of two questions there. One is, um, why why can't I just fly solo in in this thing called discipleship to Jesus? Why do I actually need you know three to four to five other people around me to do this? And then the other side, I heard you saying, what would a circle lack if it missed this outward focus? So I want to take those separately. The first one is, is I mean, just so simply put, um, the Bible knows nothing of uh, solo Christianity. And so um, Jesus, his, his, you know, we all agree that we should take Jesus' message seriously. That's what we call the gospel, right? Um, and, and so we all agree that that matters. We get our message. We don't make up our own message about Jesus. We take his and we, we repeat it. 
um, we all agree that we should take his mission seriously. Um, that whether it's Great Commission, whether it's, you know, go and be, become fishers of men, I will make you fishers of men, whatever you want to say, like the mission of Jesus. But, but plenty of people don't really take Jesus's method very seriously. Um, and Jesus's method was to get some people together and to have them follow him and to have them like live life with one another and in their pursuit of Jesus. And so that really matters. And so much so that when you read the book of Acts, like Paul doesn't go out flying solo. Paul goes out with Timothy. Paul goes out with Barnabas. Paul goes out with um, Apollos at times, with Luke, with like, there's these clear evidences that, that um, even the apostle Paul, who you could say is this like, you know, rugged, rogue, you know, he can just bring the gospel to where he'll get beaten up, you know, 39 times less one. Like, he's just beaten for the gospel all the time. He's doing it with other people. He's got a team that he's doing that with. And and so um, there's something really important about the Christian life being lived with and for and in the presence of other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you if you feel like you're beyond it, uh, you're not. If you feel like you um, are in a place where you... Uh, you don't have anything to offer to other people. That's not true either. Like so, so this call to being together, uh, following Jesus together, uh, is is really important. Yeah, and that mutual responsibility piece of uh, that's included, built into the definition of circles, can be played out here too. Which we did this morning in our own circle, which was we didn't just share with uh, each other how things are going with the people that we're praying for on our list and then say, that's great, let's just generally pray pray, or uh, pray for them on your own. Mm-hmm. We took it upon ourselves to pray for the person sitting across from us, the people on their list. And mm-hmm. so we stepped into that space and are accountable not only for that person who's sitting across from us, but the people that they're caring for right now too. And mm-hmm. so that mutual responsibility isn't exclusive to just that immediate circle space, but also the people that we're sort of reaching out to. Mm-hmm. So we now become accountable for those that the person next to us cares for as well. Yeah. That's really well yeah. said because many of people might hear this and they think, wow, being evangelistic or witnessing or, you know, being on mission is like a really high challenge, right? I think most people feel that not as like, oh yeah, this is like a walk in the park for me. No, I think most people feel it as a really high challenge. Um, one of the the wins of doing this together is you have a, you have support that helps you with that challenge. You have people that are praying with you and for you. You have people that uh, provide this structure of a regular weekly connected point where you're able to say, "Hey, this is what's going on with the people on my list." Like, here's a here's a conversation I had last week. This is how it went. Um, can you give me feedback or like what what should I do next? Or so you actually have support and structure that matches that challenge. And, uh, and, and one of the things I would add to that is it's accountability, right? It's this sense of I have other people who know the people that I've committed to moving towards um, and to inviting to kind of come and see Jesus with me. Uh, and so there's an accountability there that, mm-hmm. that I can't uh, – left to our own devices, we, we will not drift towards mission. Yeah. Uh, we Even if you're a kind of go-getter flying solo, like you will experience mission drift on your own. Yeah, I love that. And uh, you said come and see, which is language of gazing, which is one important part of a circle, mm-hmm. helping one another uh, gaze both at our own stories and uh, a true light, but also redirect our gaze towards these people. Mm-hmm. Because throughout the week, our gaze, we do fix our eyes on other things and mm-hmm. become disoriented and need to be reoriented. So um, if you attempt to fly solo, as you mentioned earlier on mission, um, and you don't have that mutual accountability, 
with these uh, core group of individuals around you, um, it's very easy to uh, stay disoriented and mm-hmm. have your gaze fixed on those other things. And so it's been such a sweet thing to have uh, be surrounded by you and uh, the two other guys in our circles who are constantly asking questions like, hey, how did that go with that person mm-hmm. last week? Or I know you were praying about this thing and how did that turn out? And mm-hmm. yeah, so that's been really great. Yeah. And, and so to that second question, which is what would a circle be missing if it, you know, if it had the up portion, which is they're really engaging with scripture. They have the in portion. They're really disclosing their souls and transparent trust. And, and maybe they have the, the pray section where they're like really giving themselves to three times prayer, but they didn't have the out portion. Uh, what I would say is um, they would become insular and ingrown over time. And, and not only that, I think there would be, feel a sense of purposelessness. Uh, because if the purpose is just us in our circle, um, one, I think there's there's something there's a consumeristic tendency there, mm-hmm. where me and my needs matter more than anything else, um, and so which I I just want to warn our listeners that tendency is in all of our hearts and it's in everybody's heart that's in your circle is that me and my needs matter more than anything else. That's a consumerism tendency that we've been born and baptized into as American citizens, and so. Uh, Something that pushes us out of that is this concept of mission, because it's actually going to move me away from my needs, my comforts, my, you know, my consume, my consuming, and it's going to make me a contributor and care about the needs of others. Um, And so why that matters so much is, uh, you know, it's been said, if you aim at community, uh, you probably won't get mission. But if you aim at mission, you will get community. Uh, so there's just this principle of doing hard things together, like sharing Jesus with not yet disciples of Jesus. Doing hard things together is one of the best ways to weave mm-hmm. a community that has depth and strength and connectedness. And you feel like you're in it together. You've got this purpose that's bigger than yourselves. All of that kind of stuff really matters. Um, and so I, I think that, that that would be a circle would be missing the out portion. Um, they would become, there would be a stagnancy over time. Not at first. At first it'd feel great. Uh, but there would be a stagnancy that would grow over time. And my my joy will be the day when I hear about a circle multiplying because of people that they led to Jesus that now needed to be discipled. And so they were like, well, hey, you know, Ryan, you and I are actually going to split off from our circle and we're going to bring these two, two guys in that we just led to Jesus. And the four of us are going to start a new circle. And now we're kind of co-leading these two guys and teaching them what does it look like to walk with Jesus. Mm. Yeah, that's really helpful. And so the last thing I would do is just to bring us back to the text of the Gospels. Um, And really, I hope the listener hears this. We're trying to hear what Jesus says. Obey it, because obedience really matters. But to do that out of love for Jesus, and to do that out of love for, out of the love we've received from Jesus, and to do that out of the love for our neighbors. So we're trying to hear and obey Jesus out of love here. And so in in John 1, there's this great scene where uh, Jesus is walking by. John the Baptist says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Two of his disciples, two of John the Baptist's disciples, they hear John say that, and it says, And they followed Jesus. So they're kind of walking after Jesus, and Jesus turns and he sees them, and he says, What are you seeking? Uh, Some translations will say, What do you want? I love that. Jesus gets to the desire. I actually think at this stage, what you're doing when you're inviting people to, to, when you're praying for your out people, a big question is like, hey, what do you want? Like, what are you seeking? Mm 
Um, purposeless, uh, purpose and identity are two of the things that most people in our culture lack because uh, we've lost anything transcendent. And so your identity has to come either from within you or from around you. It cannot come from above you. Same thing with purpose. Purpose has to come from within you. You discover your purpose by looking inward or you discover your purpose by other people telling you what it is. It it cannot come from above you because we've lost any sense of transcendence. Jesus sees that they're seeking something and he says, what are you seeking? What do you want? What is it that you're after? It's a great question for not yet disciples of Jesus. And they say, where are you staying? And I love his language. Come and you will see. That's the invitation we're inviting people to, is to come and see. Not come and see the physical flesh and blood Jesus because he's not walking with us in the same way as he was before. We're inviting them to come and see the people that are being transformed by Jesus. So that might be your new city community. That might be your family at a dinner table in your home. That might mean you're saying, hey, come and see. Let's have a conversation and let me share my, you know, we use this language, this, my before because story. Before I knew Jesus, uh, this is what my life was like. Because now I know Jesus, this is what my life looks like. Or it can be a testimony of like, hey, before I had really surrendered this part of my life to Jesus. Um, This is what my life looked like. I was anxious. I was struggling. I was dealing with this. But because Jesus showed up in as king, as savior, as kind, friend, as lover, uh, now this is what my life looks like. So people are compelled by stories and you're essentially just telling them to come and see. And what's amazing is those early disciples that were told by Jesus, hey, come and you will see. Right away, uh, it says that the next day, um, Philip found Nathaniel and said to him that they basically found the Messiah. And Nathaniel, you know, makes this famous quote, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Philip said to him, come and see. Hmm. So Philip right away does to Nathaniel what Jesus had done to those other followers that were chasing after him. So Philip learned that from somewhere. He probably learned it from Jesus. Uh, this is a disciple making kind of chain as you see. And so that's the encouragement in the out section. What we're doing is we're praying every day. Uh, and, and we encourage people to pray this in your three times prayer, where you pray the Shema to love your neighbor, um, to love your neighbor as yourself, to tag on the three people that you're praying for every single, uh, you know, in your midday prayer, pray for those people. And as you're doing that, really you're praying, God, give me space where I can invite them to come and see Jesus. That's a prayer God loves to answer. Mm-hmm. And, and we've seen him answering that yeah. in our circle as we've prayed for these yeah, people. Yeah, we really have. And I love that, uh, incorporating that into the midday prayer, because loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength is then connected to loving God and neighbors. So you you can't do that first portion if you're, if neighbor's not included in That's that. That's right. So, yep. yeah. Which, which John draws out in 1 John. You read 1 John, strong point there is you cannot love the God who you don't see if you do not love the brother that you do see. Uh, it's not possible. You're a liar, John says. Mm. That's strong language. And yeah. so, in other words, this connection of loving God and loving our neighbor is so inextricable. Uh, that to love God with all of ourselves and is to love our neighbors as ourselves. And to do that means to pray for those that don't yet know Jesus uh, and to ask them, uh, ask God to give you space to invite them to come and see. Yeah. Well, this has been one of the most uh, rewarding uh, circle experience, circle type experiences I've had um, because of the outportion included on it. And it's changed my um, experience of Jesus and of the church as well. So yeah, I hope that's encouraging for you, Ben. Yeah, I'm so glad to hear that. I think it's true, and I think that if people will take us up on this, um, 
they will experience something very similar. And I'll just leave with a, a quote from Leslie Newbegin, the great uh, British missionary to India, who just is a fantastic uh, eye to see, particularly mission and what that looks like in our context. And he said, the deepest motive for mission is simply the desire to be with Jesus where he is. And you could ask, well, where's Jesus? He goes on, on the frontier between the reign of God and the usurped dominion of the devil. Hmm. The, the Bible uses language like this, that God has transferred us from the domain of darkness into the dominion of darkness, into the kingdom of his beloved son. And so what we're doing is we're, 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 that's, there's a, there's a frontier right there between the reign of God, the kingdom of his beloved son and the dominion of darkness. Our neighbors are under the power of the evil one. And we want to see them come and be transferred into the kingdom of the beloved son, a kingdom ruled by love and peace and joy, not by tyranny and scarcity and merit. What a gift that is. And so to be with Jesus is to be on the frontier of that work. That's what mission really is. I love that.